Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is Joseph L. Flatley, and you are listening to Failed State Update. This is a members-only, subscribers-only episode. So if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, you're only going to get about 10 or 15 minutes of it. To hear the rest, subscribe to my newsletter at lennyflatley.substack.com. This week, my book, New Age Grifter, came out. Full title, New Age Grifter, The True Story of Gabriel Urantia and His Cosmic Family. It's published by Feral House, and man, these things have been flying off the shelves. Amazon is out. If you want to get a copy, I told you all to pre-order, but if you want to get a copy, you should probably go to Amazon right now and order it, and as soon as it's in stock, it will end up on your front stoop, and hopefully the porch pirates don't get it. Now, for this episode of Failed State Update, I'm presenting an interview with Josh Lilly. Josh is a fascinating dude, and a good dude. He's a friend of mine. He grew up in the cult. He was uh, entered with his family when he was a teenager. And his parents quickly realized that they were either going to have to choose their son or the cult. And they sent their son a packing when he was still a minor. Now, Josh ended up back in the cult as an adult... So he's had a lot of experience, both as an insider and as an outsider, with Gabriel and his elders and his parents, who are elders in the community. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to him and kind of get his story unexpurgated is because he was a major part of my book. He was he hooked me up with people. He was available anytime I needed someone to explain things. But he's really kind of the unsung hero. He doesn't... There's no, like, chapter devoted to him. You know, he appears here or there, but his behind-the-scenes impact cannot be overstated. So, since people are buying my book now and there's in- interest in this story, I decided let's just do a interview with Josh, and we're going to do that right now. Um, well, I, I was born in Wyoming, and uh, we stayed there till I was about six and uh, we lived up in the mountains, um, you know, pretty, pretty simple life. Um, you know, my parents gardened a lot. They were kind of hippie. And, um, you know, we lived in a Hogan. Um, so when I was born, my dad made like a Hogan, which is like a a plastic bag root mass of <laughs> sticks and twigs and uh <laughs> So that's, that's where they brought me home after they had me. And, uh, 
So we lived up there for, I don't know, a couple of years. And then we moved into town. And um, so by the time I turned six, they decided they wanted to move to Hawaii. And uh, basically, they just packed up and moved to Hawaii. I don't think we really had much at that time. They weren't, um, I mean, they were pretty poor and um, probably struggling fairly good. So anyway, we moved to Hawaii when I was six and uh, enrolled me in kindergarten there. And uh, my mom was an adoption agent and my dad uh, made like bamboo art and was a farmer of sorts. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we we lived there um, until I was, I want to say 12 or 13. And then we bought a hunting cabin and lodge in Wyoming. So we went back and forth. Uh, we went to Wyoming in the summers and stayed in Hawaii in the winters. And, um, so I think I was, I think it was 12 or 13 when, uh, they got the letter from Gabriel's community. Um, and they call it the, the Maki Vento letter, <clears throat> which is, supposed to be written by a character in the Arantia book, Maki Vento Melchizedek. And uh, so it was like a end times letter, you know, stating the urgency of the, the need to get to Sedona and the, you know, the state of the planet is just the, the, the pinnacle point of, um, you know, erupting with chaos and uh, kind of an apocalyptic type letter, I think. So, they immediately proceeded to set up a trip to Sedona and uh, we were in Wyoming at the time and uh, we just packed up some stuff and drove down to Sedona and um, we, I think we were there for about a week and um, we got there and it was, it was really hard to find the community at the time. Um, they weren't really organized or anything. They had a, uh, I don't know. I think they they put like their phone number in the paper and it was like uh, an answering machine. So you had to like call and leave an answer or a message and then they'd get back to you. So I think it took them about two days to actually find or make contact with anybody in the community. And uh, once they did that, they, you know, they got invited to the community potluck, which was, it was like a Tuesday potluck that the community used to um, bring people in get some casserole and um, indoctrinate them into a cult. And uh, so we went to that. And then uh, I guess right after that, uh, Gabriel, you know, scheduled them for a transmission, which is, you know, Gabriel's version of channeling where he brings through entities and tells you about your past lives and yada, yada, yada. So they did this with my parents and um, there was another guy, Greg, or his name was Bang Car in the community that was with him. And so they all sat down on the floor around Gabriel and uh, he basically went into the bright morning star, which sounds like uh, Mickey Mouse. So, uh, yeah, that's supposed to be the firstborn creation of Christ. <laughs> And, uh, so Gabriel's laying on the floor, he's talking in Mickey Mouse and that's one I of the remember just channeled there looking entities. at my parents and I was 12 or 13 and I was just like, you guys, this is nuts. What are you doing? And so at that time, um, they made me leave the room because they didn't want any 
children in there calling bullshit on this. And, uh, so anyway, they kicked me out and, um, anyway, we stayed for another day or so, I think. And then, um, we left and I remember the ride home being pretty, pretty quiet, pretty solemn. And, um, so we got back and, you know, my parents didn't really fill me in on anything other than that we were going to move to Sedona and sell the property in Wyoming and, you know, uh, leave the property in Hawaii and, uh, move to Sedona. And yeah, within a month they liquidated and just got rid of everything and moved to Sedona. So what they heard from Gabriel or Brayden Morningstar or whomever um, must have been pretty convincing or it must have really affected them in some way to drop everything. Yeah, well, I have the transmissions. I have the written documents of what was said to them in there. And um, basically the way I see it is Gabriel is really good at capitalizing on egos. And um, he he has a way of building people up and uh, making them really fall in love with him. And then he has this ability to withhold that love. It's kind of like a bad relationship with a woman. You know, it's like, um, when someone falls in love with a woman, um, you know, they're, they're willing to give everything if they're truly in love with them and they'll, they'll sacrifice and, um, you know, do anything for that love. And I think Gabriel's really mastered that technique of just having people just really fall for him you know, and then he, he takes that love away and it's mysterious, you know, and people, people don't quite get the psychology behind that. When you really love someone, you're willing to do anything for them. And he knows that. And he, he does that with everyone that I see basically. And he, you know, he says, he talks about withholding love and, um, a lot of the services and, you know, he talks about God doing that too with his creation, that if you don't fall in line and, you know, follow the teachings of Christ or whoever's teachings that, um, he'll withhold his love from you, you know, and so be it, maybe you go to hell or Dandros or, you know, these fiery places of purgatory. Um, so yeah, I think that's basically what he's done. What What's an example of something that he would say in a transmission to like, feed somebody's ego or hook them well he you know like with my parents in this transmission he you know he talks about star seed or or older souls souls that have lived past lives and um i think a lot of people they get off on that they want to be an old soul they want to be an indigo or a star child or you know these new age terms that uh elevate you spiritually above others and, um, so he would tell tell people that, you know, you are elevated spiritually above others. You are their teachers. You're, you're the chosen ones hand chosen by Christ himself to come and, you know, start this new mission in this paradigm shift of a new governmental society of based off of God's laws. And so he builds all these people up and, you know, if you're a past life and he tells you, you were somebody special in a past life. And generally, someone that was special that was attached to him. So if he was George Washington in a past life, maybe you were um, a close friend and, you know, ally of him in that life, you know, some general or something, and he'd tell you that. 
so that would elevate you and, you know, lift your ego up a little bit, but then he'd tear it down. So he'd say, you were this person then, but you need to earn that back now. And, you know, if you weren't following the protocol or, you know, every order to the T, um, that was stripped of you, you know, and he'd tell you, you know, this is your last chance. We're in a rebellion for souls here and you're, you're on the other side of the fence basically. And so just constant, this constant ebb of flow of, um, encouragement and then admonishment and encouragement and admonishment. You know, I think people, they form neural pathways around that, you know, it's, um, it's a predictable future, you know, and when your body you know, kind of controls your mind in, in those aspects, when, you know, it's producing, you know, different chemicals and you go into fight or flight and, you know, basically it's, it's like these people have become addicted to the abuse you know, I think not very different from, you know, uh, spousal abuses, you know, you get, uh, you get addicted to it and you continue to fight and it's like, it's the norm, right? And it's like, if you're, if you, your body and mind can't predict the future, it wants the, it wants the safer, predictable path. It knows that like, you know, if this happens, this is what happens every time. And so I think people just get kind of trapped in a loop of, they like being abused by him and they're, co- they're constantly looking for that adoration. And so he'll abuse and abuse, and then he'll give them just a little morsel of, you know, respect and love. And man, they just, they eat that up. They can't get enough. And so they'll go through whatever type of admonishment just to, to get another little morsel of love and adoration from him, you know? Right, right. And y- your parents must have been searching for something or spiritually looking for something in the first place to be interested. Yeah, I think so. Um, on some levels, you know, I, I think the town that we grew up in, Wheatland, Wyoming, is um, it's a pretty small little town. And, um, you know, I think they were not your your average Wheatlanders. And so I think they felt that they were maybe more spiritually advanced than the people around them. And, um, you know, the Arantia book, it gives you, uh, it can give you a big ass, big ass ego. If you read it, you know, um, there's a lot of really big concepts in there and, um, it's a, it's a very challenging book to dive into. And, um, I think with all religion, you know, once you start delving into scripture or some type of revelation, it creates in you, um, this ego that makes you think that you are above others and that you now need to go and save others. And, um, I think that they felt that call that they, they needed to be the bearers of truth to others. And this was the, the purest form of revelation or communication between humans and the other side on the planet. And, um, you know, I think most pretty much any ranch book reader you come across today is going to tell you unequivocally that, uh, the ranch book is the highest revelation on the planet and that they'll kind of look at you with disdain and they'll look down on you that you're a lesser of a person. If you don't just like the Bible, accept these, these scriptures as, you know, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. 
And so I, I think that's uh, a lot of it was their egos. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of years trying to reevaluate my own thought process and, you know, thinking that I was special because I was chosen and that's why I was there. And, um, that, that stuff can really go to your head. And, um, you know, I think, um, both of my parents are, you know, they're really unwilling to look at some, some things in their lives and their, their souls or whatever, their personalities that, um, aren't so pretty. And, um, they want to be the teachers. They want to, you know, there's a, there's a certain power in that. It's just like a, a boss at a job. You know, you have power over your employees and, um, that power can corrupt really easily. And so in the community, when you have that much authority and power over other people's lives, uh, you kind of get addicted to that. And, um, you know, my mother is like third in command there. So, you know, she, she's got a lot of power that she will wields. And, um, my father did for a long time. He was an elder, but you know, he was stripped of that. And so that power was taken away from him. And I think ultimately that, that was probably one of the reasons that he left because he felt that he had no more <clears throat> authority there. And, um, you know, he's pretty alpha, alpha type male. And, um, when that's stripped of you there, which, and they strip it clean off you, you don't, you don't get to choose what you want for breakfast, let alone who you marry or who you love or what you do during the day. So I think that was, you know, what caused him to leave mainly. And that's what's caused my mother to stay is her ultimate power there. 